welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Now, as you heard uh, David say earlier, in a minute I'm, I'm going to share this space with Michelle this morning. Why is it, whenever you open something like this, it's always on the wrong network. Whatever you're going to do, it's always on the wrong one. Anyway, it's not any longer... Because what I want to put up is the questions that I left you with at the end of last week. I don't know whether, I'm sure many of you uh, spent some time or talking about them. Some of you won't have had the chance. You could put it up now. Um, these were the questions I left you with coming their way. And we were looking, of course, at Hebrews chapter 10. So, how do you hold on to hope? How do you spur one another on? These are all questions taken directly from the passage. How is meeting together related to hope and meeting with God? And why is meeting together emphasised here? There's some actually quite huge discussions in amongst that lot. So, we're not actually... uh, and, And in what we're doing this morning, it'll be covered. But I'm not talking very much because it's going to be Michelle in a second and then after that you Ignite guys can escape but before you do and before Michelle comes let's just quickly look at the passage because it's very very relevant therefore brethren all of us since we have confidence as that word again comes up again and again to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body And since we have a great priest over the house, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see day approaching okay right Michelle come and join me so I have a privilege and it is a privilege every week uh, although occasionally Claire does it because she's kind of the specialist in the actual writing of essays and everything so she helps me mightily Um, I have the privilege with Claire uh, of meeting with um, our formation students formation is the college that we do the BA with that's uh, awarded by York St. John University. And um, one of the great parts of that course that I've really enjoyed, and hopefully you have, is what we call a... Yeah, she's got to say that right here. (laughs) They do, actually. We we all enjoy it. Sometimes it's very challenging. We have a tutorial or a cluster group. It's kind of a discipleship time. uh, And the, the students sit with me, and we basically do whatever God gives us that week. Uh, we sometimes review what happened on a Sunday and look at what God was doing. We might look at scripture. We might study uh, a, a book by a theologian and just talk about that. But it's always about what difference does this make? How does this affect us today? And uh, when we were last meeting this week on Tuesday afternoon, uh, Michelle shared a couple of stories with us. And I said, you know, 
God's talking, I, 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 God's talking to us about our stories anyway and sharing our stories because the Bible is his story and our stories are part of his. And it's our stories that see people saved, really. People love story. That's why Hollywood's so popular. It's story. And Michelle told a couple of stories. And we knew in the group, Michelle wasn't so sure because Michelle is Michelle. She's lovely. Uh, we knew in the group, yeah, you, you need to share these on Sunday. They're old stories. So she said, I can't share them. They're really old. They're from when she was at school. Oh, dear. I just said you were really old, didn't I? <laughs> A couple of years ago, when Michelle was at school, <laughs> they come from. But they really spoke to me. So there you go. Tell us your stories. Yes, this is out of obedience. So, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. What I really like about this church is that we give each other great encouragement um, and just help each other move into what God's doing in our lives which I think is fantastic not that I've been to any other churches but that's just uh, <laughs> I get that from this church um, yeah it was um, a couple of stories that I shared um, and one was when I was back at school um, it was during an art lesson we had so it was in secondary school and um, there was this boy who had learning difficulties um, and people used to take the mickey out of him a little bit and um, he used to sit and laugh and he never used to do very much work or, or anything like that. And then one day I just looked at him and I thought to myself, I'd really want to go over there and help him. So I did. I just wanted to go over and do this piece of work with him that I knew that he could do and we could do it together and it would give him a sense of achievement, something that he would feel proud of, even if it was just for the, that was it for the rest of his school life. Um, and I just wanted to show him as well that there wasn't, not everybody sees him this way, you know, that we are, we are people and we don't all see each other like that. And that's how Jesus, you know, Jesus set the great example of that, of going to people, um, that society outcasts. Um, but so I went over to him and we did this work together and, um, yeah, we finished, and he was proud of it, and, and uh, felt a little bit awkward that I was doing it with him, but he was okay. He got, and then basically, I packed all that stuff up, went to go out of the room, walked down the corridor, and this other boy who I hadn't had any, didn't speak to all lesson, didn't have any sort of, um, didn't, didn't need to speak to him at all, and he came out of the classroom door, and he fly-kicked me straight in my back um, for no reason, and I kind of got up and felt completely humiliated and completely just just so embarrassed and felt so stupid and I went back into my teacher and told her what had happened and basically she said well just go and tell your mum we know what he's like you know um so I was like right <laughs> fine so kind of left me with this feeling of like shame and embarrassment and humiliation so and and God's been speaking to me about that he's been bringing it to my mind quite a bit over the last um, couple of weeks. And I was thinking, yeah, that's right, because sometimes we can feel like when we stand for something, when we make a difference, when we impact someone's life, when we pray for somebody, sometimes we feel like we don't make a difference. Sometimes we feel like we're always getting knocked down. And, you know, I feel like God's saying we don't. We have to stand up. We need to get up and we need to move forward and not lay down in that. Of what, Because God has got something better for us all. And we have his words. We have that faith to move forward in that. 
Um, and that's what I feel like. That's, that's just don't lay there. We need to get up and together we can do that as a community. We are not alone. We stand together in that. And, um, you know, praying for each other, walking together. We don't let the enemy take us down like that. Um, yeah, and that was, that was one of the stories. Um, and then, just quickly share another one. <laughs> you don't need to be quick. It's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, and the other story was, um, quite a lot happened to me at school, <laughs> um, that when I was at school, um, it was in my first year at school, it was in year seven, and um, every Monday we would have to go into a different class and do a different lesson, well, this was uh, technology, and um, there was this girl, and every Monday she would bully me. We would, she would be really nice one minute, we would do the paints together, clean it all out, and then the next minute she would tell me that she wanted to fight me. No, I wasn't a fighter. <laughs> so this really, really was... So I just... I was very uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do about it. And every Sunday night, I would pray. Um, not from a Christian family, but I would just pray and say, God, can you sort this out for me? I don't want to go to school. And I was in a lot of fear over this. This went on for weeks. And then um, one day, I, I told my mum, and she said, OK, let me tell your cousin, who was in the sixth form of the school. So... Um, she's, I've got in touch with my cousin and my cousin said next time she says it to you tell her that you will meet her down the field and, this, and you will fight her <laughs> I was like great <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah the following Monday it happened again so I basically said yes okay I will meet you and I will fight you <laughs> and um, so I went and found my cousin in the morning break and told her what had happened and she said okay it's fine you know so come lunchtime. Um, we went down to the field, and there she was with all these people that start gathering around. I don't know if you remember when you were at school with all these crowds that would gather around at fight time. And, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was me and her. And my cousin weren't there. And I was like, no, come on, this can't be happening. <laughs> you need to send something sort out this. And, um, but, yeah, it, it, as soon as she came along, but with her friend, and her friend was, like, approaching six foot, big girl, and she came walking up to this other girl, and she basically just said to her, You're not, we're not having a fight here. So I didn't, I didn't need to fight at all. But, but what, what that story was showing me... Um, is that I had to confront fear. And that is something that God has, I've always sort of held on through different situations of my life. It's been humiliation and fear that's come into my life and tried to hold me down. And um, I just feel like, no, we're not standing in those fears. We're not standing in humiliation anymore. God has broken things off each of our lives and we need to take hold of that. You know, and when you pray, sometimes it doesn't look like it's going to be answered, but it sure will be. <laughs> Definite. It sure will be. So we just have to hold that. Hold that and stay with it and know that God is with you. If God is with you, who can be against you? <laughs> you know, we stand together. So there were just a couple of short stories that I thought that, yeah, okay, God's speaking in this. So <laughs> thank you. Praise God. Ignite. Thank you for staying. Apologies to the leaders that have prepared for all that material. That took a lot longer getting to that point. Not Michelle took a lot longer than I thought it would. So you can go now because it's me. Hallelujah. Thanks, team. 
Doesn't look like there's that many of you this week anyway. So anyway, great story. It is. It's a great story because I like that the second one is a favourite of mine. You've told it before, haven't you? Uh, probably a couple of years ago. And uh, what I like about that one is that Michelle did confront her fears. I mean, we're not talking about great Christian standing in faith because actually Michelle didn't really know what it was to be a Christian then anyway. She wasn't from a Christian family, although she did pray. Um, but she was praying that God would sort it. But for God to sort it, she still had to confront the fear. And I think that's really what's important in that. God, it's, you can't hide in a cave and then God sorts everything out. He's not Father Christmas. Michelle confronted that bully and she was in trouble. That bully had got all her crowds of people around her. The enemy gets all these demonic forces crowding around him. And it looks like you've had your chips. You're going down. Because you're just not tough enough. But standing behind you is a big six foot girl. I know I don't normally refer to Jesus as a girl. But in this context, he is that big six foot girl. And the enemy looks at you, but actually he's looking slightly over your head. At this big, massive presence of God that's on you. And that's why we have confidence. You see, the first story is also significant because it is so relevant to what we're talking about right now because we're talking about lifting our heads above the parapet. We're about doing those things like helping that boy that people around you will go, or maybe even want to kick you in the back for. And what usually happens in Christian societies is, oh, I don't think I want that. And nothing happens. The church doesn't move forward. Because if we are to move forward, people will ridicule you. They might even be worse than ridicule you. But you need to remember that behind you is the big six-foot girl. Okay? We are taking on the enemy. And he knows it. He's very frightened. Far more frightened than you are. Because he knows we already have the victory. He's terrified of believers who believe. Of Christians who say, I will follow the way, the truth, and the life. Of Christians that realize God is not an individual, but he is community himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, together, we aim to be in that community of God. Relationship. We're not perfect like that one. There's a lot of faults. But we're learning. Because we are praying until we're resisting the enemy. He will flee in every single area. Because this is a militant church. We are in a different place to January. We are in a different place to February. To enter the holy place or the most holy place has been kind of what we've looked at recently. I mean, this passage, is it the third week? We've opened to this one passage in Hebrews. It must mean a lot to God. I tell you, it does mean a lot to God because God wants nothing more than to experience you. We think that a a meeting like this is about us meeting with God. And it is. But actually, it's also God meeting with us. Have you ever considered how much God loves to spend in your presence? Because when you love someone, you want to be with them, don't you? And you don't just want to... God never leaves us. But how 
frustrating is it to be with someone you love and they never acknowledged you? It would, it would be hard, wouldn't it? And God, God, God created emotions. So if, we, if, we, if God's with us and, and we're ignoring him, I, I think he's affected. I think he finds it hard. It's, in the gar- it's there, right in that Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve first sinned. What does God do? He walks through the, the garden saying, Adam, where are you? And when you look at the Hebrew word, it actually means something more akin to, oh, woe is me, that God is saying. There is pain in his heart. He's not saying, where are you? He knows he's behind the bush. He's God. He's saying, where are we in our walk together? What did you do this for? Because of pain and hurt. Community does cause pain and hurt, but community is also what heals it. In Christ, I'm talking about. You can, you can get a measure of healing and help just in community without Jesus, because it's his idea. When people do things that are his idea, even not believing in him, they will still get blessed. It's amazing. It's just his way. If you do the right thing, if you walk in the way he's created things to be, you will be blessed. But more so when we walk by faith and not by what we see. And often what we see is totally opposite. It's got to be changed. In the school playing field, what Michelle saw was that she was about to be beaten to pulp. I'm not sure where her faith was at that moment. And probably the crowd behind the, the, the bully, bullying girl were wanting to see her pulped for entertainment. From my memories of school fights, suddenly behind her was family, her cousin, and a big six-foot girl. Because actually, we often focus on that it's Jesus standing behind us. But when we stand like this, everyone is with us. It's family and Jesus. We stand together. And I pray by the grace of God, we learn how to be more open, more honest, and trust one another. So that we can really stand together through the good times and the bad times. A bit like a wedding, when you make those vows in goodness, in sickness and in health. You know, I can't remember the full vows now. In poverty and plenty, something like that. You say everything, don't you? We will be together through this. That's what, that's what the people of God are like. We will stand together in Christ to go through these things. We are a people. To do that, to have that level of trust, we have to learn not to judge one another. It's very difficult to talk to somebody about how you're going through something, how you're feeling, if you're feeling really negative, if you think they will judge you for it. Let's make a decision not to judge. We don't know what it's like for that person. They might be doing something you'd never do and you think is easy to overcome, but you are not them. And if you were them, you would be having exactly the same issue because that's their issue and not your issue. That's why Jesus talks about don't uh, look at the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a great big plank dangling out of your own. Because Jesus can see when he looks at you far more wrong with your life 
then you can see when you're looking at that other person. What you're seeing is a speck. Jesus sees this massive plank dangling out your head. And the problem with having a massive plank is every time you turn your head, you smack a few people with it. (laughs) How do you hold on to hope? That's the question up there. Um, In verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. So that's the NRSV. The, um, the NIV says, let us hold fast or hold firmly or something to the, to the hope we profess. I, I like what it says there in the NRSV because, it, NRSV because it brings it out a little bit more about what it means to hold on to hope. What is hope? Hope is believing God and what God has for you looking forwards. It's a future expectation. It's not worldly hope. If you walk into a betting shop, and I hope you don't, I never have actually. I'm always tempted to just go in and see what they're like. I can see through windows better than I used to, and it doesn't look that great. But, but when you go into a betting shop, you're hoping to win a lot of money. Otherwise, you wouldn't be going in, really. All right, you're hoping to win something. It's a very unsure and uncertain hope. And in fact, it's more certain that all that's going to happen is you're going to lose money. Nobody gets rich in those places. Everybody loses money there, except the person that owns the bedding shop. They make some money. That's worldly hope. It's, it's a vague thing. It's a, oh, I hope something great happens. I hope I get something for Christmas. I hope, uh, you know, it's, there's nothing, there's no certainty there. And you have to realise that biblical hope is the opposite. It's certain. But it, it's something... When you hope, you are, it's like faith and walking, by, uh, walking not by sight but by faith. Hope looks forward to something that you don't have yet. So we all have the hope of salvation, meaning that we are going to be with Jesus in heaven. We look forward to that. That's the, the worst that can happen to us is that we die. And then we get eternity forever with Jesus. So really that's not so bad. That was the early Christians' opinion of death. It's not so bad. I get to leave the struggle. I go to Jesus. I get my promotion to glory. I love that expression for death. They've been promoted to glory. Let's not be afraid of it. But also we will not allow the enemy to steal life from us. So hope is something that you can see. So it's, 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 our, it's our thing that's everywhere. Dare to dream. What can you see? A lot of modern writers in the books that I have to read these days, they don't call it Dare to Dream, they call it Mission or Imagination. Because it's longer words, so it sounds clever. <laughs> and you'll see a lot written about Mission or Imagination. What's a Mission or Imagination? It's an imagining, but not just a whimsical, wonder if. It's a seeing what God can do in a situation. You see, some, some, once upon a time, somebody said to me, I don't like your vision, Dare to Dream, because... You know, there's nothing to it. Dreams are just ephemeral. They're just fantasy. It's the wrong understanding of dream. This is the Martin Luther, uh, uh, Martin Luther King. I have a dream. It's that kind of dream. It's seeing, he could see a time of peace between white and black. And because he could see it, he could speak it. And because he spoke it, well, I wouldn't say it's happened in fullness, but the world certainly changed. But it's the same with us. 
If we can imagine, but in this faith context, not just, oh, imagine if we got ice cream for tea. That'd be nice. You know, this is a certain and sure hope. That's what Dare to Dream is. It's, I could see this building full of people praising God. I'm imagining it in my mind. I'm seeing it fall because that's what God wants to do. When I've got a problem, I'm seeing what it looks like with that problem removed. Jesus talks about mountains jumping into the sea. So what's the view like when the mountain's gone? Imagine it. See it. Take hold of it like we were this morning. Hallelujah. We have this hope. Earlier in Hebrews, this is written, chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope. A sure and steadfast anchor. When I was in the boys' brigade, the motto was sure and steadfast. And it had a symbol of an anchor. I don't know if it's still true. Probably. A sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain. You get this picture, I don't know if you do, that you're holding on to the end of the rope that's connected to the anchor, and the anchor's in the holy place. But then whatever happens, that anchor's going to keep you in the right place. It's holding you firm. Look at this picture. It's just going to come up. That was the beast from the east. (laughs) I can't credit it because by the time it got to me on Facebook, that had long gone. But that's what it looked like this week. I could see it. That's not my view, but I could see it from my office window. You can see that the harbour and the lighthouse, it was almost just disappearing under the sea. Look at the waves coming over the outside wall, almost as if it isn't there. Huge, great waves they were. It was incredible. And see those little boats in the harbour there. Of all those boats in the harbour, and those massive waves, the beast coming in. Those boats there in the harbour, I mean, you're getting the pictures, I don't need to explain this, do I? Those boats in the harbour, only one of them that I saw let go of its anchor. And it was sort of floating around the harbour, bouncing off the other boats. It didn't look damaged when I looked later in the week. But those boats, even despite that beast, even despite those waves, were safe in the harbour because they'd got an anchor that held them firm to the solid ground. That's what hope is. It holds you firm to Jesus. The waves might come in. The snow might come in. The winds might come in. But you are safe in the harbour of Jesus with your anchor rooted in his foundation. So if the beast comes against you, know that you are safe. If you let go of that anchor, actually you'll still be in the harbour. You're just going to cause some damage and irritation to all the others as you bounce off them. Like that stray boat. So hold on to the anchor. It'll keep you safe. It'll keep you rock solid on the foundation. Hallelujah. Okay, if we could go back to the normal screen, uh, Hannah. Just flick it back. Oh, I didn't see Dan there as well. Let's um, just go back into the Word. I genuinely am not speaking very long. (laughs) He says. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to. I want you just to go away with this, almost that picture. 
I hold on. I'm safe. You don't want to leave the harbour. And that's time. You think, I don't I, let, let us not give up meeting together, it says in Hebrews, because you're in the harbour. You don't want to sail off into the wide world when the beast from the east is coming in. Because you're going to be in trouble. So, let's go back here into this. I just want this, there's three interesting things about this. And it's about being in the most holy place because that's where we belong. It's not just about when we have a special time of worship, we meet God there, we live there. We're learning to live every single day, every single moment where we belong because we've been made holy. And because we've been made holy, you get what the writer to the Hebrews says here. There's three little phrases where he says, let us. He says, let us draw near to God. So in the holy place, in the most holy place, I beg your pardon, one of the purposes to be there is to let us draw near to God. Okay? That seems fairly obvious. We don't have church services. We have meetings with God. We don't call Thursday night God Encounter because it's a cool name, because it's not particularly a cool name, really. It's because our expectation, our dare to dream, our imagination, our hope is that we meet with God. We have an encounter with God. Meetings, church meetings where God's not allowed an edge to do anything are boring. It's the greatest miracle, inverse miracle of humankind is to take the most exciting, dynamic, creative, without limits God and make a meeting about him boring. (laughs) How on earth, how on earth in the universe do you do that? But every Sunday it happens in different places around this nation because they've forgotten that the purpose of being together is to meet with God together. Let us draw near to God. There's that one. The second one is let us hold unswervingly, fast it might say in yours, to the hope which we've just been talking about. The hope we profess. The hope or our confession of hope. So how do you hold on to hope was that question up there. By speaking it out. You're constantly talking about what you believe, what you're hoping for. Not as in I hope I win the bet, but as in what is sure and certain in God. And that other passage we read earlier in John says, we have whatever we ask for. So that's part of our sure and certain hope. This is what I'm expecting God to do. Everything within you might scream against that, but you can still imagine it. Sometimes feelings take a while to come into obedience. That's okay. They're like that. Other times they're leading the way. And we're trying to catch up with our feelings of enthusiasm and gratitude and how, God, how amazing is God. We're sort of, in our other side of us, our sort of reasonable intellect, we're trying to catch up with the good emotions. <laughs> come back! You're running away with God! At other times, we know we're moving on in God and feelings are back there saying, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't like it. (laughs) And a little bit more unreliable. Anyway, let us hold unswervingly to the confession of hope. For he who is promised, for he who promised rather, is faithful. And the last one 
remember this is all in the presence of God. This is all in the, in the most holy place. The last one, so significant. And let us consider. So we're going to let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider. Consider means think about. Consider means work out. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day, of course, is the day of judgment. And how do you know that the day of judgment is coming close, according to the Bible? The world will be full of confusion. There will be wars and rumours of wars and disasters and, and all kinds of things happening. Much, much evidence out there that the day is approaching. Therefore, all the more, we don't give up meeting together, according to this. But don't you think it's interesting that in this context of um, coming into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, let us draw near to God, let us hold fast to the hope, let us consider each other. Because wouldn't you think that if you were going into the most holy place, you wouldn't think about people, it should all be God. And God says, if you're going to think about me, you're going to think about people. Because if you really love me, you will love the people. You can't love God and not love people. Sometimes people will say, it's alright, you don't have to like them, you just have to love them. That's nonsense. If you don't like people, you're in sin. It's okay, you confess that sin and ask God to change those feelings. Even if they're despicable... Even if they do things you don't like, it's not our responsibility to judge somebody by saying, I don't like them. It gives you the authority to say, I don't like that person. Who gave you the authority to judge? Because that's what like and dislike is. It's a tough one because we do it all the time. It's so inherent in us. We don't have to like what they do. We We certainly don't like the sin that they're living in. But that person is a child created by God. However, it's been corrupted. It's from Christianity comes the true honouring of life that's being eroded right now in the world. Because every life is precious. Let us consider one another how we must spur one another on. The... um, the Greek word used is usually only used there uh, negatively. It's an odd word. It, you, sometimes That's why it says spur one another on there in your NIV. You might see provoke. It's, it, it, if it was truly being translated, it would say irritate. <laughs> Let us irritate one another. <laughs> Isn't that odd? But it, it, it's a, it was their kind of way of thinking. It was a Hebrew way of thinking, uh, although it's written in Greek. It's a Hebrew way of thinking to take hold of a negative to use it to express a positive. It's not really part of how we do it. It's to really emphasise in how important this is. So it's a, let's irritate one another into... I mean, it, just, it doesn't work in English, so you won't find that translation. But that, that's a more literal translation, is let's irritate one another. And you're thinking, we're very good at that. But that's not the purpose here. <laughs> It's it's irritate, provoke, spur one another on is a good translation towards love and good deeds. When we arrive 
here, and I really am focusing on this today, because where it says, let us not give up meeting together, the Greek means, let us not give up assembling as a congregation. Alright? So this isn't just talking about meeting for a cup of coffee. This is Sunday morning or the meeting. Alright? Because it's very important to God. It's not that everything else isn't important, but this is important. Let us consider, as you come to this meeting, how we will spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Michelle this morning had it easy. She didn't think that. But by telling her story, she was spurring you on towards love and good deeds. But every Sunday, we arrive in this building, we should be coming in aware that we're here to give. Because we're Christians. Don't come to just receive. We want to meet with God, we want to meet with each other, but God will have something that you can give into to encourage one another. You have a ministry to others. And the powerful thing about ministry to others is when you start ministering to others that some of the issues in your life that seem big begin to be dealt with. That's how they're healed. Um, if you, if you, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but if you sit at home and mope about your problems, you will always have your problems. Because that's what you're meditating upon. That's what you're imagining. This is why it's important what we're speaking. I'm not talking about we never admit when we're down or we never admit when we're having a bad time or we never admit when we're ill. That, that's, that's false, that stuff. But... We need to be aware of what's coming out of our mouth. What is the hope that we're speaking of? Oh, it's such a terrible day. I've got such a bad bag. I feel really awful. Is that our daily confession? Then that's what you'll have. That's what you're believing for. I hope there's a little bit of a woe inside your head if you do that. It's not just God's pouring negative over you it's that you're believing for that you're standing in that you'll have what you can see when it says we walk by faith not by sight it means the sight of the things around us it's not talking about prophetic vision prophetic vision is what faith is so let's spur one another on towards love and good deeds why it's never a good idea to take a break from meeting as a, you know when some, sometimes when people go through difficult stuff they'll say I think I need to take a break from church now you need to listen to Elizabeth I need to be at church I need to be with the community I need to be with the people the first thing the enemy likes to do when we're struggling is pull us away from the community because he can pick off individuals much more easily That's why we have to watch out for one another. The uh, encourage there, it says about encouraging one another, the word is paraklia, parakalio. It means to come to the side of. Isn't that nice? That's the encouragement. To come to the side of. To call, to aid, to help, to comfort, to exhort, to call for, to beseech with a strong force. I like that. It's to come to the side of. It's to come alongside somebody. Sometimes we can encourage people by like being in a superior place to them. It's 
why Jesus sat next to the woman at the well. He came alongside her. He didn't encourage her by standing in front of her and calling her to repent. He didn't sort it out by bringing a quick Jesus judgment. Although he was Jesus, so he was entitled to judge. Instead, he sat alongside and began to encourage her. And she became the Bible's first evangelist. In a very short space of time, but he was good at it. (laughs) So, I'm nearly there, actually. Do you know... When Paul is writing, and he's been writing his passage that's so famous, particularly at weddings of 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Towards the end of uh, his writing, probably thinking back to that, he says, and these three remain, faith, hope, which we've both been speaking of, which we've been speaking of this morning, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Because faith and hope... You can have faith, you can have hope in God without people. But you can only have love in community with people. And that's why it's the greatest. Because it's that what makes a difference. I'm going to leave you with a really... This is a sermon that we have a record of, which was written about 50 years after... Hebrews. If you want to go and find it, you can find it in the book that we now call Second Clement. Clement was an early church leader. It's highly unlikely that he actually... This is a collection of sermons. We don't actually know who spoke them. If you go and read the first book of Clement, it's actually by Clement. But these are sermons we have no idea who said them, really. It's just intriguing, though, because it's one of the earliest copies that we have of an actual sermon that was being spoken in the church uh, round about 100 Okay, it would have been sometime between 90 and 120 probably um, and I just think this is interesting because he's obviously been reading Hebrews because this is what he said because it was written down what he was saying and let us not merely seem to believe and pay attention <laughs> I like that <laughs> let us not just pretend and let us not merely seem to believe and pay attention now while we're being exhorted by the elders but also when we've gone home <laughs> Let us remember the commandments of the Lord and let us not be dragged aside by worldly lust, but let us try to come here more frequently and to make progress in the commands of the Lord so that we may have the same mind and be gathered together unto life. So you think, that, that was the message I was speaking today. It hasn't changed in sort of 2,000 years. Isn't that amazing? I love it that you've got that little fragment of that very early church sermon. Of the people gathered. I like the bit about, just try to come more often. You can, you can hear vicars, ministers, pastors, uh, priests saying that across the nations. Let's, let's try and be a bit more often, can we? <laughs> there, there's a, there's a, a culture crept in, I think, uh, where it's, there's a feeling that you don't really need to be in a church gathering every Sunday. Can I just say... Yes, you do. Okay, that's, that's our culture. It's not that you will be there absolutely every Sunday. You will, you will take holidays. I'm taking a Sunday off this year, celebrating my mother's 80th birthday. Yeah, it's a significant event. It's not that you'll never, ever miss them, but that it should be such a priority. Because we're not, when you're not here, something's missing. 
that you bring. You are, you are uniquely you. Only Chris can bring the Chris Birch anointing in God to every meeting. And she might walk out of the building thinking, I didn't do anything this morning. Well, that's lack of faith if she did, because God did something through her. But of course, if we start taking hold of, what's God got for me this morning? We'll start to see more and more opportunities when we chat afterwards, when we eat the meal together today. Just in conversation, just in friendliness. So, I'm going to finish. Let me finish with the words written, what we're talking about. 1900 years ago, 1900 years ago, a human being preached this in a church. And I'll leave you with it and we'll finish. And let us not merely seem to believe and pay attention now while we're being exhorted by the elders. That makes me smile. But also, when we have gone home, let us remember the commandments of the Lord and let us not be dragged aside by worldly lusts, but let us try to come here more frequently and to make progress in the commands of the Lord that we may have the same mind and be gathered together unto life. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.